We want to talk a little bit about the hope that a Christian has. You know, it seems like that we look at the news today and we, uh, it doesn't give us a whole lot of hope. We see all the things that are happening. Sometimes we just sit there and just wonder what's going to happen next. We shake our heads. We, we get concerned about the things that are happening in the world today. We see the terrorism. We see killings. We see um, bombings going on throughout the world. We see it almost daily on the evening news. We hear about those that are being persecuted because of their faith. Here just recently, we've heard about killings of Christians in other foreign countries, and maybe even here in this nation. When we talk about things a little bit closer to home, we, we hear about children being abused by their parents and maybe even others. We see this sexually saturated environment that we live in, this culture that we live, live in today, and where not long ago things that would be embarrassing to several just don't seem to be embarrassing anymore. I've noticed recently that leaders of large corporations uh, of products that we use from time to time are now feel the need to interject homosexuality lifestyles into their advertisements. And we're just getting bombarded with all these things that are going on in the world and around us. And it's almost like we almost can't see uh, anything else. Even get a little bit more personal, we, and closer to home, we may have individuals in our families that are struggling with sickness, struggling with some kind of disease that they may never be able to get rid of. Or you see some in, in, uh, in certain stages of their life that there is, seems to be not much uh, improvement in their physical life. Or you may have a loved one who is spiritually lost, not at all interested in the things of God or has gone off and separated themselves from God. Perhaps we're stuck in an awful job and we don't know how in the world we're going to get out of it. We need to pay our bills. We need to make the money to where we can prosper and feed our families. But we're just not happy with things that are going on in life. Or maybe the bad job is just seems overwhelming. You might even have a problem with sin in your life. And we can't seem to maybe get over the top and get rid of this sin that's in our life. Maybe we've struggled with it for years and years. And we don't seem to be able to getting, be getting anywhere with it. And all of this causes sometimes physical pain within our lives, but it's often the emotional pain that's so much difficult, more difficult to deal with and overwhelming. And it's not, it's not only enough to make you feel hopeless, but it, it gives us a sense and a feeling of despair. Despair is a loss of hope. You ever felt like that? Sometimes we might have that feeling like there is not going to get, anything is not going to get better, and there's no hope. That's a feeling of despair. Despair is the opposite of hope. To despair means to be hopeless, to have no hope, to give up all hope or expectation, to be overcome by a sense 
of futility or defeat. Have we ever felt that way? It's from the Latin word despare, disperare, I guess. I, I, I'm not a, I don't know Latin, in other words. So, which means literally to be hopeless. Despair and hopelessness are defined by Scripture as being without God. Ephesians 2 and verses 12 through 13. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So, what a despairing place to be in. What, a, what a, uh, a terrible place to be in without any hope. And people that are without God are those that are without hope. Being without hope goes together with being with God. And if you're without God, you're without hope. So it's sin that separates us from God and takes away our hope. Romans 3 and verses, verse 23, For all have sinned and, and fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans 6 and 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Paul also instructed the church in Thessalonica not to grieve as others who have no hope. So, sin is what causes no hope. Sin, living outside of God, living without God in our life. Sin is what separates us from God. So often in our lives and certain situations, there are times when we feel that there's little or no hope. We may tend to lose our grip on hope, if not completely, permanently, maybe temporarily. We feel a sense of despair and hopelessness. But I want to notice, though, that God can help us to strengthen our grip on the hope that only He can bring us. We often sing the song that says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Well, one thing that we want to notice is what hope is not. Listen to what Webster's Dictionary defines hope as in our way that we typically use hope today. Webster says, it is to want something to happen or be true and think that it could happen or be true. This is the way that we typically think of hope. It's, this is more of a, a, a feeling and wishes. In other words, just for illustration, we might say, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow or get too hot tomorrow. That's a wish. I hope we catch some fish. How many times have we said that? I hope I get that job. I hope that thing, that thing is not poisonous. I hope Terry's lesson is not too long. How many of us hope for that? That's a wish. May not come true. And all of us have 
a hope of the Dodgers winning or the Rams winning or the Lakers or the Cowboys of winning that game. Those are wishes. You see, that's wishful thinking. That's, that's the hope that we typically use today. And the scripture's hope is different than wishful thinking. Notice what Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament word, Words defines hope as. In the New Testament, favorable and confident expectation. It has to do with the unseen and the future. Baker's Bible Dictionary says, Hope means to trust in, wait for, look for, or desire something or someone, or to expect something beneficial in the future. Look, looking with expectation is akin to hoping. So, there's always waiting. There's always confident expectation involved in hope. That's not wishful thinking. It is the expectation that something will happen. Now, if I stick my finger in the fire, I can expect it to get burned. That's not what, you know, that's pretty much a true thing. So it is confident expectation that something will happen. And we're going to notice more about that as we go on. Listen to Romans 8 and verse 32, 23 through 25. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So it's something we don't see, but we wait for it with perseverance. When we see it, when we've already obtained it, it's not hope any longer is what he's saying. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So we can see the contrast between the biblical hope that is talked about, which is sure and certain, and the common understanding of hope that we may have today, which is wishful thinking. There's a story about a self-made millionaire that, um, who completely changed the lives of some sixth grade students in, in New York, in East Harlem. This man had been asked to speak to a class of students and he wondered how in the world he would, he would even get them to even look at him. And so he threw his notes away and he thought he'd just speak from his heart. He says, stay in school. And he said, and if you stay in school, I'll pay your tuition to college. Well, all of a sudden, these kids had some hope. They had some hope. They had some expectation of, of something that was going to be beneficial to them later on. One student said, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for, for me. It was a golden feeling, and nearly 90% of the students graduated high school. Before that, it's likely that many of those sixth graders would even have graduated. He gave them something to look forward to, as well as the foundation of their hope. That one student said, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. So we, when we think about hope, the question may come up, well, where do we get hope? 
Where do we get hope? We get hope by reading our Bible. The Word of God is a book of hope. Romans 15 and verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures we might have hope. Some people get just hopeless. Maybe we're not reading our Bibles the way we ought to be reading them. Maybe we're not studying God's Word. Maybe we're not being encouraged. We're not being lifted up because we're not reading the things that comfort us as Christians. It offers hope for all of, of life. It offers hope for the sick. It offers hope in our relationships. It offers hope for the loved ones whenever they're in a spiritual or, or, spiritual or a physical sickness in life. It offers hope for most challenging problems that we face in this life. It even offers hope for the things we look for and look around at in this world. It offers us expectation of things getting better. It's easy to say that our hope is in God's promise. It's harder to, to live like we believe it and draw strength and encouragement from our hope. We need to try to remember that these are promises from God. What is the hope of the Christian? The Christian hope is a hope of inheritance. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you. So it gives us a hope of inheritance. The Christian has a hope of eternal life. Notice Titus 1 and 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Notice Titus 3 and verse 7. That having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And also it's the love that God has for us through Jesus Christ that allows those of us who have been baptized, who are believers, who have obeyed the gospel plan of salvation, and to spend eternity with Him. Notice 1 John 4 and verse 10. And this is love, not that we, be, that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Acts 2 and verse 38. And then, then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the hope of salvation is what keeps us going through this life here on earth. It's what, it's what maintains us. It's what holds us together emotionally, spiritually, while we're here on this earth of sin. All these things going on around us, if we have that hope, why do we care? We have something so much better to look forward to. Amen. When we look at God and we look at the hope of eternal salvation, we look at heaven, we look towards that goal, we have so much hope. And God's love is what allows that to happen. 
How can we assure ourselves of this hope? We can know. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 2. For we know that if our earthly house, the house, the world that we live in right now, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. Wow. This whole world could be completely destroyed. And we still have a house not built with hands. God has reserved and placed in heaven for us when we leave this world. How can we know? By believing, obeying what God has said in his written word. 1 John 5 and verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. We can know. We can have assurance. And we can have hope in reaching heaven. By following God. By obeying his will. By realizing his love for us. And obeying the gospel and being baptized into Christ. We're going to notice more about that. Well, What are the blessings enjoyed in eternal life? Well... We've talked about this recently. I've been talking with some others recently about this. We get new bodies. Well, sometimes we roll out of bed and we just ache from one end to the other. Maybe we're not even able to walk. I know some that are not even able to walk. I know some that have physical afflictions and ailments in their life. But you know what? In heaven, the hope is we get a new body. Our bodies will change. Notice Philippians 3 and verse 21. Who will transform our lowly body, the bodies that we have now, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. We find that we will be like him. 1 John 3 and verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All these aches, these pains, these problems that we have in this life. Being maybe crippled, maybe being uh, bedridden, maybe being not able to walk, maybe having all kinds of difficulties in this life. We get a new body. What a hope. What's something to look forward to? We also realize that we'll be able to enjoy the mansions or the dwelling places. John 14 and verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Why would he go and prepare a place if he wasn't expecting to have someone stay there? He's expecting us to stay there. He's expecting all of us to deal with this world, to have a place that is free from all that. Separated from the world. 
Nothing that we live, that we, that we have problems with in this world will be allowed into heaven. And what a blessing that will be. We have a place that is a better country. Hebrews 11 verse 16. But now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. A country where we don't have the problems that we do today. Wow, how much are we looking forward to that? We'll also find a rest. Hebrews 4 and verses 9 through 11. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also seized from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Who will receive this rest? Those who die in the Lord. Notice Revelation 14 and verse 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. You know how good it is, to how, how wonderful it feels to come in from a hard day's work and sit down and rest. When we labor here on this earth of putting up with all the things of this earth that Satan has put in front of us, we deal with all the issues that we talked at, about at the beginning of the lesson. We, we are so worried and we're so concerned sometimes about all those things. One of these days, we get to rest from all that. We don't have to put up with that anymore. What a blessing. Amen. We are, as the old song says, we are standing on the promises of God. That's hope. How do we obtain this hope? We, we attain it by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We also obtain this hope by believing what, he, what we've heard and studied. Hebrews 11 verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We also obtain this hope by repenting. In other words, a change of will which results in a change of mind. Which results in a change of life. Jesus said in Luke 13 and verse 3, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. The Apostle Paul said in Acts 17 and verse 30, Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Acts 2 and verse 37 and 38, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized. And repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We also obtain this hope by confessing the name of Christ. In other words, what we believe. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, said in Romans 10, verses 9 through 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe, in your heart that God hath, has raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. For with the heart man, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We're not quite there yet. There's an example of this happening in Acts 8 and verses 36 through 37. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's the confession that we make of our faith, that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then the final step that allows us to be a participant in this hope is being baptized into the body of Christ. Galatians 3 and verses 27 and 28. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So baptism transforms us from an unsaved condition, having no hope. That unsaved condition is a, is a condition of hopelessness, of despair, have no hope of eternal life. And it changes us from that condition to a saved condition of now having the hope of eternal life. Baptism saves us. 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. There is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mark 16 and 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Why does baptism save us? Because it washes away our sins. Sin is what separates us from God, remember? Sin is what keeps us from having that hope, that eternal hope. Sin is what keeps us from being able to participate in all the things that God has prepared for us. Notice in Acts, the second cha 22nd chapter, verse 16, And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. So when the sins are washed away, now we have fellowship with God. Now we have the blessings that God has prepared for us. What do we do after we attain this hope? We keep ourselves pure from the world. 1 John 3 and verses 1 through 3, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it is, has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall be like him, so before, because, for we shall see him as he is. Excuse me. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So we continue to purify ourselves. We can continue to keep ourselves pure and separated from the world. Don't, don't go back into sin. Don't leave God. Don't separate yourself from God. Keep yourself pure in this world that we live in. 
We live righteously also, Titus 2 and verses 11 and 13. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So, we separate ourselves, we deny the ungodliness and worldly lusts, and we live soberly and righteously while we're here on this earth. Even though we put up with so much, we still have to remain pure. The hope talked about in the scriptures is available only to the believers. Isn't it comforting that in the midst of this sinful world we live in, we can have assurance in something. We can have faith and assurance in something, a promise that was made by God to those who obey him and serve him. We sometimes have that feeling of despair, but all we need to do is look to God for the hope. Our hope is an anchor. Hebrews 16 there's 6 and verses 17 through 19. Thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast and, fed steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Mark Bailey, writing in his commentary, uh, talks about these two immutable things. He says, Thayer defines this word immutable basically means fixed or unalterable. That means whatever it is, it is, and it can't be changed. It's unalterable. And these things are, it is impossible for God to break the promise, talked about in the previous verses, and it's impossible for God to misrepresent an oath. Therefore, it will be fulfilled. He goes on to talk about this strong consolation. Both of these truths, that is, it is impossible for God to break a promise and it is impossible for God not to fulfill an oath, are made that all Christians will have a strong consolation. The term strong means something that is firm or sure. And the term consolation means comfort or possibly better, encouragement. As it is translated in the Revised Version, every promise of God is or will be fulfilled and is unchangeable and is comforting for those who are his children. Fled for refuge. E.M. Zur says, This phrase is based on a provision under the mosaical system whereby persons accused of a crime, whether guilty or not, could flee to a place called a city of refuge. Today, the only place where the sinner can find refuge is in the church, is in the body of Christ. We find refuge 
from Satan in the church. He goes on to say, Mark Bailey goes on to say about verse 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. The anchor in ancient times as well as in modern times is used as a symbol of hope. In this passage, it is used figuratively signifying a safeguard. The Christian's anchor is his hope of salvation in Jesus Christ. As long as he maintains his hope and it remains steadfast, there is hope for salvation. But he who loses his anchor, he loses his salvation in Jesus Christ. And he goes on to talk about both sure and steadfast. The adjectives sure and steadfast indicate that a Christian's hope is unfailing and firmly fixed. The Christian's spiritual anchor or hope is sure and steadfast and it can be trusted. I don't know how many of us have been in a boat from time to time and, and we put the anchor out there. And you know, I've, I've sometimes thought I had a good, a good hold on the bottom and it's just been in sand and it just pulls you along. Pulls you either downstream or the wind pushes you out of the way. I didn't have a sure anchor. It wasn't steadfast. It wasn't sure. If I get that thing hooked on a rock and sometimes I've had an anchor hooked on a rock so bad, I'm like, they never got it off there. That's what Jesus Christ is. That's the anchor that we place our faith in and our hope in, is Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation. In 1882, Priscilla Jane Owens, a 49-year-old school teacher from Baltimore, wrote these words. Will your anchor hold in the storm of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, Will your anchor drift or firm remain? It is safely moored till the storms withstand, for it is well secured by the Savior's hand, and the cables passed from his heart to mine can defy that blast through strengths divine. It will surely hold in the straits of fear when the breakers have told that the reef is near. Through the tempest, though the tempest rave and the wild winds blow, not an angry wave shall or our bark or flow. It will hold, it will firmly hold in the floods of death when the waters cold chill our last breath. On the rising tide, it can never fail while our hope abide within the veil. When our eyes behold through the gathering night, the city of gold, our harbor bright, we shall anchor fast by the heavenly shore with the storms all past forevermore. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. J.C. Sproul said, hope is the anchor of the soul because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish, rather it is that which latches onto the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. In conclusion, Christians are a people of hope. We are confident that God's promises of something we long for will someday come. This is a fundamental difference between us and the unbeliever. We have a hope. We have, if we don't have a hope, we have nothing. 
But if we have a hope, we have everything. And if we don't have a hope, our life is meaningless. While we deal with all the problems of this life and all the things that go on around us in this world of, of despair and hopelessness, our God is the God of hope. And he causes us to abound in the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans 15 and verse 13. This world is a place of failed dreams and failed efforts, but our God is the God of a living hope, 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. This world is a place of disappointments, but the Bible promises that God gives the Christian a hope that does not disappoint. The Christian's hope is important. It makes faith pleasant. It makes our life here on this earth, dealing with all the things that we deal with, pleasant. We can see something better for us. And we can find comfort in that. Romans 12 and verse 12. Faith is not just a belief that God is, but also that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 verse 6. And that is the pleasure of faith. Hope causes us to focus on the things that we desire and not the things that we endure here on this earth. It anchors the soul. Nothing can sway us. Nothing can keep us. Nothing can pull us away. Not the trials. Not the problems that we put up with. Not the distress. Not the persecutions. Maybe even death. As long as our hope is grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. We may always be ready to give all uh, an answer of the hope that lies within us with meekness and fear. 1 Peter 3 and verse 15. Ephesians 4 and 4 tells us that just as there is only one God and one Lord and one Spirit and one faith, there is only one hope. That means the Bible only points us to one thing as the objective of our desire, and that means that we can only expect one thing to happen at the end of this life. And we can have hope in that. And so, what is the Christian hope? Well, again, Titus 1 and 2 tells us that the Christian hope is eternal life. My question to us this morning is, do you have a hope of eternal life? If you died today, would you have a hope of heaven? Are you saved? Have you been baptized for the remission of your sins? Have you been washed by the blood of Christ? Have your sins been washed away by the blood of Christ? If you are a child of God, are you living a life of sin to where you are not in harmony with God? That you, that you are not living the life that you need to be? Do you have sins that you uh, have, have not made right? Have you committed sins that you're not repenting of? Are you struggling in life? And not giving up sin in your life? Are you living in this sense or this feeling of despair and hopelessness? Well, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting to get right with God? Don't lose hope of your salvation. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The lesson is yours. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ 
at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.